Welcome back to the 76 Capital Sports Leadership Show. My name is Wayne Kimmel, managing partner of 76 Capital, the sports tech venture capital company. And as you know, on this show, I get the opportunity to interview top sports entrepreneurs, athletes, and executives who are many times shaping and changing the overall sports business landscape. And today, my guest is Robert Gottlieb, the president of marketing at Fox Sports. And I'm just really excited to have Robert on our show. We're going to talk about his role at Fox Sports, what's next in this ever-changing sports marketing and media industry, and just maybe some things that just kind of come off the top of our heads as, as we're having this conversation. Robert, welcome to our 76 Capital Sports Leadership Show. Uh, thank you, Wayne. Pleasure to be here. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. Well, I'm really excited to have you on the show. It was great meeting you in Seattle at the Major League Baseball all-star game this past summer. And, you know, it was a Fox show. It was your show. I mean, it was, it's a, a big partnership. And obviously that you have with, with major league baseball and just every year, this is the, the midsummer classic that you guys, the, yeah. you guys get to do. And uh, how, how did it go for, from your perspective? Um, well, I think it went great. Uh, we, we loved it. Seattle was a great host city. Um, weather was beautiful, spectacular. Um, the game was, uh, terrific and fun. I think from the broadcast side, one of the great things for our production team is that the all-star game, uh, you can kind of do some bells and whistles. You can do a little bit of experimenting, um, in a way that you can't do necessarily in a regular season game. So I think our production team really loves the all-star game because they get to do some fun things. And there's a lot of those innovations that will happen in an all-star game that, it might take a year, it might take two years, three years. Eventually, it kind of shows up in, in regular broadcasts. So you probably see if you watch any baseball, pretty frequently now, you'll see the announcer talking to either a player or manager in real time during the game. Um, and I think that was one of the things we experimented with several years ago in an all-star game. And then the players union and the leagues, you know, gets to see it and say, oh, that's not that disruptive. We can may take some time, but eventually they come around and go, oh, that's a good additive thing for our fans to see. So um, it was a great all-star game uh, and it was great meeting you in Seattle also. Yeah. I mean, it was really, it was, it was, it was, a, as you said, the weather couldn't have been any better. The national league finally won, you know, I was, I was very happy that, you know, look, as, as you know, I, I'm from Philadelphia and it was nice to have our, our manager, you know, in there is, and winning the, 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 uh, the game this, this, this year. So that was the first, I think in, in 11 years or something like that. Yeah. It's been a long, long run of AL, but it was great. The Seattle tourism board, uh, definitely had to leave happy because the shots we had that night of the water and the sound, it was picture perfect postcards. So in your role, um, as president of, of, of marketing at Fox sports, what were some of the things that, happened during all-star that were it was part of what your your group was responsible for um there's a variety of th a variety of things wayne that are going on around all-star from the marketing perspective for me personally there are two things of note one is um the women's world cup started by uh, i want to say eight or nine days after the all-star game so we were right in the hot zone of really ramping up um, the marketing and the awareness of the Women's World Cup and the All-Star Game is the most watched live sport event of the summer. So it was a great, it's a great platform for us to do that. Um, and we had a 
you know, we had this giant Alex Morgan Statue of Liberty statue um, uh, outside Safeco or T-Mobile, sorry, um, uh, the park, and we put it on the broadcast. So we were able to do a lot of World Cup lift around the All-Star game, which is great. And then um, the other kind of significant thing from a marketing perspective is MLB and their marketing department. Um, you know, they're entertaining. They have a lot of their sponsors there. Um, and they're doing kind of some B2B summit stuff. And it's a chance for us and our marketing group to spend some time with those marketers as well. So it's a really good um, kind of mid-season way to kind of uh, network and meet with a lot of different marketing people in the MLB community. And, and you know, now it's we're not only, I wouldn't even say weeks away. We're very, very close to the, the beginning of the NFL season. Yeah. Uh, which is certainly a, a big part of everything that you guys do at Fox Sports. Uh, it, what's what's on tap for for this season? Huge season. I mean, the NFL is you know there's nothing like the NFL. Um, it is you know it is the Goliath of entertainment in America. Um, scripted, non-scripted sports. It just sits alone as the Goliath of U.S. United you know entertainment in the U.S. So uh, we are very excited every fall here at Fox when the NFL comes back. Um, I'm very excited as an avid New York Giant fan to be, you know, take the, put the Eagles back in where they belong, somewhere in the rear view mirror. May not happen this year. Um, a friendly little wager or something on that. We'll right? have to come up with something. But it's a, a huge year, you know, great, great storylines. You know, the um, Aaron Rodgers to the Jets is a really compelling storyline. And I don't know if you saw over the weekend, there was some good WWE style trash talk between Sean Payton talking about the old Bronco regime and Aaron Rodgers you know, taking some uh, front to it and challenging Payton. Um, so it's just ramping up. It's going to be a great NFL year for sure. Well, it, it is really interesting. And I, and, and I know I, you know, we talked about it. I can't wait to share, have you share your, all of your background, all the things you've done, but it was so interesting, you know, with all the major leagues that you have on Fox, what the NFL, Major League Baseball, WWE, et cetera, right? I mean, and, and it's been very interesting, as you said, kind of how they all cross over um, and, and how, how they're in, involved with, you know, you kind of get them involved with each other in, in, a, in a way, right? Yeah, it's really important. I think for any broadcaster, you know, when you acquire and you have multiple sports rights, part of the value proposition, you pay a lot of money for the sports rights for live sports, NFL, MLB, NASCAR, FIFA, WWE, onward, you know, college football. Um, part of the, the calculus from a financial standpoint is the marketing value that these properties provide you. So if we can bring huge, you know, we're going to pay a lot of money, but we're going to get a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of eyeballs in huge audiences. And within those audiences, we can promote out and market both our network, uh, Fox Entertainment, other businesses inside Fox, like maybe Tubi, and of course, other Fox sports properties as well. Um, so if you're not really um, connecting those things from a marketing standpoint, you're really losing out on a lot of the value that's inherent in acquiring sports rights of these of these kinds well and sometimes i'm not even sure if i'm really watching a commercial or if i'm watching just a, yeah. you know with a brand or watching a, you know just like i think you know, last year it was really interesting with greg olson 
and he was driving around, I think, in, you know, and he's in he's in an SUV and I, I don't want to get the brand wrong. But, you know, but it was it was more than just that he was talking about uh, the Sunday football game coming up. Oh, yeah. I mean, it, it's, you know, almost every marketer out there, Wayne, or every brand that's, you know, advertising, you know, has evolved their thinking. It used to be if you're a car maker, an auto um hey i'm gonna pay for a 30 second spot in the nfl or in these windows and put my commercial message in and you know over the last 10 years for sure the momentum on the advertiser side is to get closer and closer and closer to the product um and how can we be in there but not be just a 30 second commercial buy so how can we integrate into the production how can we integrate into the game experience and kind of be seamless to the fan so they don't feel like they're being advertised at that they feel like it's content that's just part of what they're enjoying uh so it's interesting you note that you know that's been a, a strong trend um from every advertiser that that is um active in buying media and television these days and how does it work from for in your position as president of marketing at fox sports where you have you have your 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 part of the business, right? But then you also have this talent. I mentioned Greg Olson. You have a Troy Aikman, or you have a, um, uh, or you know the Alex Rodriguez, et cetera. I mean, like, how does it work when you have these some of the high profile uh, talent from from your perspective? Well, uh, you know, the talent is. Um... I think every every broadcaster and different networks handle it differently. I think our perspective at Fox Sports has been for as long as we've been around that we really invest and believe in the talent is, you know, absolutely critical. So um, we have a long history of Hall of Famers. Um, if they're the best at what they do um, and they're relatable to our viewers, they're people that typically we aspire to have as part of um, our brand. Um, and that's why we have an Alex Rodriguez and a Derek Jeter and in the past, you know, Jeff Gordon's, and that's why Tom Brady will be coming. It's it's very, we believe in investing in talent. Um, it's evident by the talent that shows up on our TV. Um, and first and foremost, you know, the talent is there for the broadcast. They're there to make that broadcast and that game, whether it's pregame or the game itself, um, as enjoyable and as compelling and as interesting as possible to our viewers. Um, from a marketing perspective, Having those big names, having those uh, that kind of talent helps us market our properties. And it's certainly something that's very attractive to advertisers who want to connect to the Fox Sports brand. Well, it certainly makes it interesting. And, and, we, and we as as viewers certainly love hearing their stories, um, their experiences while they were playing. Now, now has they how they kind of look at today's players and. Um, it's, it, it's, it's, it's great. It's really great. It adds a lot to the overall broadcast. And, yeah. and, and <clears throat> so tell us, you know, how you got into this world. Uh, as you said, you were a New Yorker, you're a, yeah. a giants guy. It's okay. It's okay. Um, but, <laughs> but, uh, you know, Sometimes how, it's how, not how okay. <laughs> um, what, what was your career path into, into the world of sports? Um, my career path was pretty unusual, Wayne. Um, definitely not kind of the standard thing. I graduated, I went to NYU um, and I graduated from there uh, uh, out of the film department. So I had a BFA in film and television and I wanted to be a film director and moved to Los Angeles. Um, and I accomplished half of that goal. I did move to Los Angeles uh, 
And then I started working in the movie business for a number of years um, and as a writer and kind of working on film jobs. And uh, it was pretty late in my post-college career. A lot of people move right from college into kind of a career path. Uh, it took me many years of kind of messing around in the film business. And then I, you know, in my late 20s, I, I kind of stumbled into a job at Fox Sports Net. Um, which at the time was the name of the collection of RSNs um, that had previously been owned by Liberty and that Fox now owned. So that would be Fox Sports Detroit, Fox Sports Pittsburgh, Fox Sports West here in Los Angeles. And um, I just stumbled into a job there and it kind of felt like it combined things I, I knew and loved, which was um, sports, which I was a big sports fan. And also it was in the marketing department making promos and I was like, oh, that's like little films and little commercials. I'm like, I like doing that and I love sports. So I kind of stumbled in there and and I just never left. <laughs> they just I just wound up staying for quite a while. And, you know, was that um, at Fox initially or? It was, it was Fox Sportsnet again, was this collection of RSNs. Right. Fox, the, this is like 97, 98. So um, Rupert Murdoch, I think 94 is when Fox, the, the network comes into being. Um, and that's, um, uh, around 94, around 97, um, they, Fox bought these, this collection of RSNs and branded them Fox sports net. Um, and they were all cable RSN. So right. now there were kind of two TV businesses at that point. There was the network, uh, Fox network, which had married with children and cops and, and, NFL um, had they had just gotten the NFL, and then there was the cable um, RSNs, which were now being rebranded as Fox Sports as well. So one of the things that I, I I understand that you were you know really involved with was the big noon you know Saturday college football franchise uh, at at Fox Sports, and it was it's always was interesting you know as a, as a viewer as someone in the industry it was like you know you you didn't think of turning to the main Fox channel, right? For college football. Yeah. Um, but you guys then made it a thing. How did you do that? Yeah, it, um, it, it was pretty amazing. Listen, we'd, we'd been in college football for a number of years, but we, we had the BCS, um, I guess in the early 2000s, Wayne, before it kind of blew up and we had three of the BCS games, not the Rose Bowl for like two years. Um, and we had different college football packages. We had tried for many years to establish college football on Fox as a viable thing, and we did not really nail it. Um, it's really hard. ESPN slash ABC owns the category in a, in a way that was really, really strong and dominant um, for the most part. And then SEC on CBS, uh, especially Alabama, that kind of 4 p.m. window, that was very ownable. We just didn't have a toehold of any real way, shape, or form for quite a while. And then about five years ago, I would say, my five, six years ago, um, uh, Mike Mulvihill and Eric Shanks and um, Mark Silverman and, and, and our kind of you know team here really honed in on a, a, a strategic move. And they said, let's, uh, you know, the noon window uh, for college football is the least competitive, the, the, the least stacked window of the day. CBS is going to put their best SEC game on at 4 p.m. Eastern. 
ESPN, ABC is going to put their best game on at 7 p.m. Eastern in prime time. The one window where they're not really putting their best product is that noon window. Um, and the kind of thinking was, well, it's noon, it's early, nobody's going to show up for that. Let's kind of backload later in the day. And our guys, you know, very strategically said, hey, let's let's commit to that window. Let's try to make that our window, the Fox window, um, and that we find success there. Um, and that if we're successful at noon, we'll also bring audiences into our four o'clock window. It'll, you know, it'll, it'll roll through the day and, and see gains all around. Um, so it worked, it worked fantastically. I will say five, six years ago when we embarked on it, nobody knew that it would work. Um, and there were a lot of, uh, the schools and the universities were like, Hey, don't put us on that noon game. We don't want to be buried where nobody's going to watch us. It's too early. It didn't take long before it showed up. And now we're really proud that the noon window on Fox is the number one rated window in college football for the last two years um, uh, in a row, uh, beating the SEC window at four, the ABC primetime window as well. So that's been a real highlight for, for the team here. Very proud of that. Well, you know, another thing I think, you know, was was really fascinating last year was one of your top and I guess you're the top and announcer for college football, Gus Johnson. Yeah. Um, that that documentary that you did. Oh, yeah. Him, yeah. Going to Harvard. Yes. was Unbelievable. Amazing. Amazing. <laughs> Gus is an incredible guy. He is uh, one of the most interesting guys you'll ever meet. And um, he's a man of many talents. And, uh, uh, you know, there's a lot to Gus. He, he, people know his incredible calls on college football and hoops. He's amazing. Um, but yeah, that documentary for, for folks who haven't seen it, he took basically during COVID, he took a year off and he attended Harvard um, in a kind of um, uh, a special sort of class um, uh, distinction. And he got to learn from some really, really fascinating um, people, a kind of an adult education program immersion um, that revealed a really, uh, really unseen side of Gus. Um, I love him. He's he's the best. And that was great. I'm glad you saw that documentary. Yeah. Yeah, it, it was tremendous. It was it was also it was just a it was it was great to see, you know, a different side of him. I mean, as you said, he has such incredible calls. Yeah. Um, as a as a as a, as a play by play guy. And Gus's journey is amazing. You know, he grew up in the Detroit area in Michigan, you know, did not grow up on a glide path to Harvard or to the top of the corporate world. You know, uh, Gus has made his way in the world um, through incredible, you know, just incredible talent and hard work and smarts. And he's sharp as a tack. And um, and it was great to see that side of him. Uh, it was really, really wonderful. Yeah. Well, well, you know, focusing back on on you, Robert. I mean, you know, has there was there a someone in your life, whether it was a coach or a mentor or somebody that that helped you get onto your path as to where you are today? Um, yeah, for sure. Everybody, you know, right? I don't think any of us get too far without some like key mentors along the way and um, kind of key moments and. Um, you know, I, I mean, I would say two that I would look at, Wayne, when I was in high school or junior high, um, there was a teacher, an English teacher, uh, Mr. Beard, um, who, thank goodness, took a, a liking to me. And he could see I was smart and 
kind of a leader of the, you know, my group. Um, and maybe I was not performing. I was not as interested in school as I was in other things. Um, and he kind of took me aside at a really key point and kind of gave me an ability to see a better future for myself. And really importantly, he, 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 he let me see that my actions have impacted other people around me. Um, and basically said, don't be a jerk because you can help people instead of you can either bring people up or you can put people down and you have the ability to do either and take a look around you and try to bring people up with you. Um, and it was, uh, it was really enlightening and I'll never forget that man. And he helped me quite a bit. And then in my professional career here at Fox, um, there was a, a, a man named Scott Bantle who was in charge of the on-air Fox team when I was younger and kind of coming up. Um, and he was just brilliant. And, um, I learned so much from, from him and unbelievably his son now works for me <laughs> here. It's now, uh, at a beginning level, uh, position in our group. So a little full circle there. Oh, that's amazing. That's yeah, amazing. It is. You know, I, I see behind you, you have, uh, several Emmys. Um, and I wanted to ask you what you thought was, was sort of your, your most pr the proudest moment of your career. I don't know if it's one of those Emmys, but I'd love to hear stories about that. But also, what, is there something that was really special that stood out so far in your, in your career? Yeah. Um, thank you for yeah, <laughs> noticing the Emmys <laughs> strategically placed in the background. Um, I'll tell you, the, th the moment in my career that I'm most proud about, um, and I think always will be, and I'm, I, I don't want to get like, choked up about it. But I, Wayne, I, I'm not, I, I do get choked up virtually every time I tell this story or see it. In 2015, we took over FIFA at Fox. It had been with ESPN previous to that. And our first World Cup was the Women's World Cup in 2015 um, that year. And um, we really just put a huge commitment into it. We thought the Women's World Cup and the U.S. women's team could be a much bigger thing than what they were in 2011 and so forth. And I think that's been borne out. We're very proud of the investment and the energy we, we've put into building this. But in 2015, um, I learned um, that they, uh, Mother's Day is in May, I want to say. Yeah, Mother's yeah. Day is in May. So every May, um, the U.S. women's team plays a game on Mother's Day, an exhibition game against, two, you know, whatever. And I learned about this when in that run-up to 2015, and it kind of dawned on me, I was talking to the guys at US Soccer, I'm like, so these young athletes are never with their moms on Mother's Day. And they're like, no, they're always playing a game somewhere. They're never with their mothers. And I'm like, wow, where are they playing this Mother's Day? And they're, they said, well, they're playing in San Jose, uh, friendly against Ireland, I think. Um, and I said, well, you know, I, uh, we talked about it and we said, well, can we bring all their mothers to them and give them a surprise? before the game, like the night before the game or something. And everyone was like, that's impossible. Like how, you know, there's 23 players. There's, right. you know, they're all over, like, there's no way. And we were very dogged. We were like, well, let's figure this out. Let's find a way. Um, so what we wound up doing was um, we got all the moms and then coach Jill Ellis that Saturday night after the, the team trains, they're all in their sweats and their baggies. And then they have team dinner at like a ballroom in the hotel at like seven o'clock, they all gather for dinner and it's buffet style and they're just lolling around. And then the coach usually addresses them and gives them some notes. Hey, tomorrow the buses are leaving at one o'clock, you know, that sort of thing. 
So the coach gets up tomorrow. The buses are leaving at one o'clock. Remember, bring your road uniform, whatever they're saying. Uh, but guys, we have one we have one special thing for you tonight that we wanted you to that you know wasn't planned for. So if you can all like turn around and look at the doors, and then the doors open and all their moms come in, like all twenty, and these are all you know they're young women. These athletes they're in their you know some are in teenagers and some are in their young twenties, and uh, they just exploded, Wayne. I mean they wow. were screaming and crying, and the moms are crying and they're crying and they're you know. They had just been years and years and years, never seeing their moms on Mother's Day. Um, so and then the next day during the game, um, you know, soccer, they the players usually walk out holding the hands of a child like children. We had them walk out with their moms uh, for Mother's Day on the field. So that was awesome. That was my proudest thing. That, that's amazing. I mean, it, look, it, it, as we all always say, we're so lucky to be in the sports industry yeah. and just to see how, you know, life and, you know, and sports and how it just. It's just a, it's amazing what you can do in and around this this game of sports. Yeah, yeah, that was uh, that was really wonderful, and I do literally get choked up every time I think about it. A lot of crying moms and daughters in that room. Well, I mean, you know, just just staying on the the theme of soccer and women's World Cup, the the men's World Cup will be coming to the United States. Yeah, and I mean, like there, it's it's just incredible to to see the growth of of just soccer in the U.S. I mean, we I think. We've all been waiting for it for 30, 40 years now, but it really seems like it's here. Like this is the this is the time more than ever. It's definitely grown. I mean, I do want to um, give some uh, begrudgingly give credit to our our frenemies over at ESPN um, because they did a great job uh, with their FIFA contract in building both the men's and women's World Cup in the period they had it through 2014. Um, they did a great job uh, of kind of building it. But I do think from 2015 to where we are now, we've seen immense growth, um, certainly an interest in FIFA and the Women's World Cup and the Men's World Cup in the U.S. Um, and I think MLS has seen tremendous growth, both in franchise valuation, increasing franchises, um, you know, uh, in, in virtually every metric, it's grown, grown, grown. And 26, when the World Cup here in the U.S. for the Men's World Cup is going to be uh, a, just a huge moment across this country. People don't under if you I don't think people understand today, Wayne, what that's going to be like in the summer of 26. Um, it is uh, it is a absolute rocket ship with, you know, you know, the shot from NASA, the close up of all the burners going. Shh, uh, that's what's about to happen in 26. Like you have no idea how big a moment across pop culture the World Cup will be in 26. The, our entire culture will be consumed with it in a way we've never seen before. Um, so that's going to be really exciting. Yeah, it's going to be super exciting. I mean, just to just think, you know, the just even the announcements of the cities and how yep. what cities got it and yeah. and how that's all playing out. And I was we were with the. Uh, the woman who's in charge, she'll, she'll, she'll be on our show who's in charge of the Philadelphia effort. And, um, you know, and, and, and Meg was sharing with us that a couple weeks ago was we're three years out. Like it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's about to happen. Yeah. Clock is ticking quickly. Um, but it's going to be, and the, you know, obviously the messy going to Miami, you know, you see what's happened there. Um, it's uh, soccer is in a pretty you know strong growth position um and looking forward to a three-year runway to that world cup which should be really exciting 
Well, you know, I think in in general, the the sports industry is on this unbelievable, you know, growth trajectory right now uh, with all the different things happening. As you said, Messi, the World Cup, you know, valuations of teams, technology, sports betting. I mean, it's just the overall just fan engagement side of things all the major brands wanting to be in and around sports in some way connected with athletes or teams or leagues. I mean, it's the only way to, you know, really connect um, with, with consumers today, certainly live. Right. Yeah. And so, you know, it, it puts you, you know, as the, as president of marketing at Fox sports in a really very interesting position. And when you think about the future, what, what are, what are some of the things that you're most excited about? It's a great question. I mean, it, it is a great time to be in the sports business, I think, and a great time to be in the sports media business. Um, I think there's no doubt that sports, live sports is, um, you could certainly make the argument that it's the most valuable commodity in entertainment in the United States of America. Um, it's You can certainly make an argument that it's the last and only way to get live scaled audiences at mass, um, which is a huge thing. Uh, you know, it is, you know, possibly the last water cooler kind of, um, you know, spine of our country. I, I hesitate. I should pull that back a little bit because you see what Barbie and Oppenheimer did this weekend um, or last weekend and this weekend. So those are kind of, you know, how many of those kind of pop culture kind of moments that the whole culture stops and knows and reacts to in real time happens in such a fragmented media world that we live in now. There's just so little of that other than live sports. And, and it's actually encouraging to see the Barbie and Oppenheimer success um, uh, in that regard, too. So being in live sports, it, we you know, it is a boom period, I do believe. Um, you know, on the media side, I think what you're seeing is that for the top tier one media uh, rights and the top tier one properties, NFL, college football, Major League Baseball, NBA, et cetera, that the um, the need uh, for media companies, um, whether traditional linear streaming, um, new platforms, the need and desire to have that content is absolutely must have at any cost. Um, I think for the kind of mid tier, the second tier and even third tier of sports properties and rights, there's still a voracious appetite with all these platforms out there that want and desire and are willing to pay for those rights. Um, you see it in the franchise valuations, as you mentioned. Um, so it, it is um, in, in a world where our entertainment gets more and more fragmented um, and the common moments that our country uh rally around become fewer and fewer sports is you know stands towering above anything else in maintaining those two things that are really really valuable and crucial uh to our society and well it, it's completely agree and it's really been great having you on our 76 capital leadership show and as we wind down i have one last question i just have to ask you and you know if is as you look um over the last several years and, and again, a little bit into the future. And how has technology changed the world of media? How has it changed, you know, the just your your part of the world, right? With with marketing, with within the world of at, at Fox Sports, how has that all 
changed everything that you've done? Uh, yeah, great question, Wayne. I mean, technology, you know, to the marketing end of it, from a TV, from a from a from a TV marketer, um, technology from all marketers, technology has made the job of this CMO or the head of marketing a very very complex job. Uh, whereas I'll give you like the I'll give you the really easy example. Um, if you are the head of marketing at a television broadcast network in 1984, for instance, you know you really uh, all you had to really worry about was like, well, we need to make a couple of promos to put on in between our commercials, and uh, maybe we buy an ad in TV Guide, and maybe a billboard for the you know on the route home for the chairman of the network so he can see that we're marketing the shows. There was no, you know, you know, now you're, you need to know performance marketing. Uh, you need to know social media marketing. You need to, you know, there's so many emerging platforms. Consumers are being marketed to in so many ways, in so many places via technology that keeps emerging and, and evolving so quickly um, that, you know, it is a, you know, it's like the rapids, you know, man, it just moves so fast. And you're really at the behest as a marketer of a really smart and sharp media buying operation because you can't be an expert in CRM and an expert in performance marketing and an expert in content marketing on TikTok and, you know, all these different platforms, let alone with traditional linear marketing, billboards, out of home, bus stops, taxis, TV ads. Um, so it's become a very complex um, uh, media landscape. Uh, for people who are buying media and for people who are selling it, um, for one. And then in sports, technology, you know, technology has been such an important part of how sports has evolved and, and will continue. I think clearly um, for fans, technology gets you closer and closer to the game. You see more, you hear more, you can absorb more, you can understand more, which deepens engagement with what you're watching. So that will only continue um technology has affected sports um uh, on the playing field in a huge way as well right um you know there will be chips and sensors in the cone of the football to tell you a first down we've already done that in the usfl games uh, uh with fox technology will continue that's, that's such a great that's that was such a great promo thank you yeah you know, that's 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 one of our company shot tracker that did that with you yeah, guys. oh there you go yeah so, you know, so thank you <laughs> you're welcome you're welcome thank you um but you know technology is going to impact the way the games are played um and continue to in a great way and then you know for the fan experience in the stadium technology is totally changing that how you park, how you get concessions that you can go on an app and have them bring you your food that there's now in some stadiums and probably we'll see more and more of this, that the technology to um, wager and uh, place bets uh, in legal states and legal stadiums uh, will transform that experience in the stadium to a degree as well. So technology um, is having a massive effect on sports on the field for the viewer and for the attendee at the event. Well, this has been awesome. I mean, I've been so lucky to, to, to have you on our show. Thank you so much, Robert Gottlieb, the president of marketing at Fox Sports. Uh, it's been great to, to have you as a guest here. I guess maybe we'll see each other either at, at an Eagles-Giants game at Lincoln Financial Field or MetLife Stadium or I'm out in L.A. or something. But um, 
This has been awesome. Thank you so much for joining. That would be great, Wayne. We will have to make a date for an Eagles Giants. Well, just one person sitting between us, but we'll 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 work that one out. That that'll be that'll be great. Well, again, thank you so much. Thanks for having me, Wayne. Everything that you have going on. Take awesome. care. Awesome. Thanks, Wayne.